rise if you are able and join us in our call to worship. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, both to all of us gathered here and to all of you joining us in worship at home on our first day of live streaming this service. My name is Baron Mullis. I'm the pastor of this congregation. And on behalf of our preacher, the Reverend Megan Lecluse, and all of our musicians, I am delighted to welcome you to our service of worship. Before we move into the body of the service, I'd like to say a word to you about these. And uh, you'll notice that everyone in the chancel is wearing them. I only have mine off because I am speaking. We do know these represent a bit of an impediment to those with hearing loss, uh, to intelligibility of speech. You'll also notice I'm standing far away from everybody as I have it off. We are going to ask you to 
follow the city's recommendations and wear these when you were inside the building. And I have not asked the session to vote on this, frankly, because every time we implement a protocol, we have hours of meetings before it, and then the CDC or the city changes their recommendations, and we have to have hours more meetings changing the recommendations to match whatever comes next. Uh, so if you all will voluntarily wear these, you'd save us a lot of work, and we'd be very grateful to you for it. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to ask our resident epidemiologist, Dr. Dan Seekins, to say a word about this. But before I do that, I'd like to invite everyone, if it's not raining, to a time of fellowship on the 21st Street sidewalk following the conclusion of this service. Dan? Good morning. Um, I've been asked to give an update on coronavirus that causes COVID-19. So I thought I'd tell you a little bit about what we've learned recently. So we've been monitoring the rate of new infections uh, in the county, and it had gotten as low as almost one per 100,000, but it's been steadily rising over the last few weeks. And as of this week, it's up to 13.1 per 100,000 people. So that's a substantial increase in the rate of new cases. And what we've also seen is the emergence of these highly transmissible variants from the original strain. And uh, the one you've heard probably most recently about is Delta, which is the vast majority of new cases. So the two are connected. And uh, just when you thought it was safe not to worry, there's a lambda coming that's been described that's even more contagious. And the nature of this is that the original strain, if someone got infected, they gave it to a little over one to three people. With these new strains, one person can infect five to eight other people. So they're much more contagious. And the good news is the vaccines work. They work to prevent serious illness, death, hospitalization. And it's even true of these new variants. So that is a bit of a relief. What we sort of suspected and now know, though, the news, is that even vaccinated people can get infected. In the trials, it was fairly low, about 9%. But in the real world, we've now got evidence it's about a third of people. Now, these are mild infections in general, or even asymptomatic, and that's the risk. None of us want to intentionally give someone else this deadly virus. So that's the challenge. You can be asymptomatic and vaccinated and contagious, and that's what's new. So what we've decided to do is recommend that everyone wear a mask, whether you got vaccinated or not. It's the safest thing to do so we can all gather in person still when we're inside. So I guess I'd conclude by saying, let's all be the best neighbors, the best citizens, protect the kids and other people vulnerable may not respond to the vaccine, do our part, and all wear a mask while we're inside. Thanks. Thank you very much, Dan. Proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Christ rose for us, Christ reigns in power for us, Christ even prays for us. Knowing this, there need be no fear surrounding confession, only trust that our God who has made us, who knows us, and who loves us stands ready to forgive our sins. So let us do that. Let us confess our sins first together and then in silence. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not lived as your faithful children. We have been angry with the world and nursed grudges against our adversaries. We have hoarded the fruits of our labors 
rather than share our bounty with the needy. We have not built up our neighbors with words of kindness, but have indulged in evil gossip. We have not forgiven the wrongs others have done, even though we desire your forgiveness toward us in Jesus Christ. Heal us, O God, and give us the grace to love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Amen. The saying is true and worthy of full acceptance that Christ died to save sinners. So, beloved in Christ, believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our first reading of scripture comes to us today from the Psalter, reading Psalm 130. Listen for the word of God to us this day. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with God is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. May God bless to our hearing and our understanding this reading of God's holy word. Our second reading comes from the letter to the Ephesians in the fourth chapter, starting at the 25th verse. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself himself up for us, 
a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. This mouthful was a central part of my seminary education, especially my education and formation classes. This term was first coined by sociologist Christian Smith in his 2005 book, Soul Searching, The Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teenagers. And it was used to describe what the National Study of Youth and Religion had found in the surveys and interviews of approximately 3,000 teenagers. It wasn't really a theology, more a commonly held set of spiritual beliefs part of which was summed up as the ideas that God wants us to be happy, that we are supposed to be good people and kind to one another, and that good people go to heaven when they die. It's not that any of these beliefs were inherently untrue. It was just kind of a toothless way of understanding spirituality, of understanding faith. And these teenagers had developed these beliefs largely from their worshiping communities. Kenda Dean, a professor at Princeton Seminary, used this study for her book, Almost Christian, in which she talks about how teenagers desire to give their life to something, and how what the church needs to be offering them is something more than be nice or be good people. It needs to be offering to them a kind of faith that they can give their lives to. They need something to sink their teeth into. On the whole, I agree with them and what their research found. The church does need to be offering something more to young people and to all of us. But, and maybe especially where we seem to find ourselves in 2021, It seems like many people could use a reminder that while being nice is not all that it means to be Christian, God does want us to treat one another decently. 
When people asked me this week what I was preaching on and what the text was about, my response was, this text basically says, don't be a jerk, or be nice. The passage unpacks for us what that means and looks like, and presents us with something that isn't always easy, but is how God calls us to live together. And living together in this way definitely has teeth. For those of you who ever wonder, and I know some have asked me, how do you go about writing a sermon? One of the things that I do, along with a lot of other pastors, is to look at what other people have said about the text. In the age of the internet, we now have access to a variety of commentaries that have been written that week, or within a couple of weeks. So we can look at books that have been written, but we can also look at what people have said about these texts in the last week or two, in light of current events. Some will write about all four lectionary texts for the Sunday, and others will pick just one. And it's always interesting to look at which one they pick. So I find it fascinating as a teacher to look at which text they chose, and then even if they picked all four, what jumps out at them from these texts? Some weeks, I'm like, that's what jumped out to me. Other weeks, I'm like, wow, didn't pick that up at all, but that's really interesting. This week, it quickly became clear that this Ephesians text struck a chord with preachers right now, and I can understand why. It feels so relevant. All you have to do is turn on the news or look at a newspaper or listen to a podcast to hear people talking about how divided we are as a nation. And sometimes over issues that really do matter. Issues that can be life or death for the parties affected. Looking at the scripture, it isn't telling us to set those issues aside but it is giving us guidance in how to go about our lives and living in community. One of the commentators I read this week was Whitney Wilkinson Eriche, a Presbyterian minister, and she broke this passage down into brief instructions verse by verse. And I'm going to invite us to work through those and think a little bit about each verse and how we might live it out. And I hope that something resonates with you as we do. Verse 25 tells us to put away falsehood. Speak the truth. Speaking the truth can be hard. Yet I know that I appreciate when people, in kindness, speak the truth to me. In his commentary, James Howell shares that St. Ephraim pictured truth as one wing of a bird, the other wing being love. Without love, truth can't fly. Without truth, love crashes to the ground. That image struck me. It's so powerful and so beautiful. I think of the dove, the symbol for the Holy Spirit, flapping its wings of truth and love. Or the eagle soaring high up in the sky, riding the currents of truth and love. It's beautiful and true that both of these are needed for truth to have its full power, and for love to have its full power. 
She phrases verses 26 and 27 as, Be angry, do not sin, and do not make room for the devil. Anger is an interesting thing, with the potential for power and strength, as well as for devastation. Hal writes, Be angry, but do not sin, perhaps should be translated, When you are angry, do not sin which seems like pretty solid advice to me. My sister Annie does a writing workshop for new employees of her nonprofit. And because I've now overheard parts of that training several times while both working from home during COVID, I know that one of the things she makes sure to get across to them is not to send an email when you are angry. And anybody who has done so knows why, because there are often words you want to take back in writing. But both Hal and Wilkinson Arache seem to sense in this passage a place for anger at some of what we see and experience in the world. Hal says, St. Augustine poetically wrote that hope has two beautiful daughters, anger at the way things are, Encouraged to see to it that they do not remain the way they are. Hal continues, get upset by what is not of God, not in sync with Jesus. But instead of stewing on it, is this sin? Do something. Verse 28 tells the reader to give up stealing, work honestly, and share. And verse 29, to let no evil talk come from your mouths. Give grace to those who hear. The letting no evil talk come from our mouths can be challenging, at least for me. Just the other morning, I said something kind of joking, but also kind of snarky, and immediately thought that was not a nice thing to have said. I imagine this one may take some work for many of us. Hal says, the test is this. Do the things I say edify anybody? Is grace imparted or shattered by my words? We may need to pause before speaking a bit more often if we want no evil to come from our mouths. Verse 30 tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit which seems to be what happens when we don't live in community the way this passage describes. 31 instructs to put away bitterness, wrath, anger, wrangling, slander, and malice. There's a lot there, and some may also be synonyms with one another, but they all tend to be corrosive if we hold on to them eating us from the inside out. If we are moving toward imitating God, we have to let all of these go. Finally, we make it to verse 32. Be kind and tender-hearted. God does want us to be nice people, but also more than that. Kindness and tenderness seem to evoke compassion and empathy gentleness. It's not just about being good. It is about being people who emanate God's love. The passage continues with Wilkinson Arache's paraphrasing, 
and only then forgive. For her, the placement of forgiveness where it is in the list is important. A lot has happened before we get there, including speaking the truth and being led to action by our anger. Forgiveness is part of the journey, but in this case, it's not the starting point. And if we need a reminder as to why we do this, why we are called to be kind and forgiving, it's because God is kind and forgiving of us. As we move into chapter 5, we are told to imitate God, live in love. In a sentence that doesn't pull any punches, Hal writes, What would Jesus do? Be sure you find out. Instead of assuming Jesus is the Jesus of your fantasies. When we are told to love as Jesus loved us, this isn't the Jesus depicted with flowing robes and a warm glow. It is the Jesus who did everything that we have just talked through. The Jesus we follow spoke the truth, often making him unpopular. He utilized his anger when he saw unjust things happening. He listened and did not cut people down with harsh words. He was not bitter when strangers grabbed him in a crowd, but responded with compassion and kindness. And he forgave all, including us, when we messed this all up. The truth is, this passage gives us an ideal we can pursue, and we're, we'll spend our lifetimes working towards. It tells us to be imitators of God, not to be God. It doesn't expect us to get it right all the time. So we strive to do our best as we journey together as disciples. And know that we will be extended grace when we mess up. It really does seem like a little kindness can go a long way these days. This passage invites us to not only seek to live as described, but to teach this to others, to our children and youth, as the way of discipleship. As Jonas, who we will baptize soon, and our other children grow up, we will teach them that God wants them to be nice, but hopefully we will move beyond moralistic therapeutic deism and also teach them that being nice can be hard, that there is a lot to living as God wants us to live. And this asks us to give God our lives. Living this way gets us closer to the kingdom of God. I received an email this week. I get a weekly email from an organization called the Ministry Collaborative, and this week's was written by Adam Mixon. Although he isn't talking about this passage specifically, what he wrote seems fitting, like it may describe how living out some of this text can look. He writes, The world is full enough already with bitter words, sarcasm, and criticisms. The disturbing and pervasive results are all around us. 
Today, let's generate some peace by releasing healing words into our own little circle of influence. When we are inclined to complain, let's find a reason to be grateful. When our neighbor treads on our nerves, let's look for the good and then affirm it. Do you see someone discouraged? Be kind. Offer a meaningful compliment. This will not only transform the texture of their day, but I have a sneaking suspicion that it will also brighten ours. Imitate God. Live in love. Amen. At this point in our service, we are privileged to celebrate the sacrament of baptism, and so I invite Elder Reggie Amoa to represent the session in presenting our newest candidate for baptism. Hear these words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Hear also these words from Holy Scripture, the promises for you, for your children, for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls. And so obeying the word of our Lord Jesus Christ and confident of his promises, we baptize those whom God has called. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. God frees us from sin and death, uniting us with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, body of Christ, and joined to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. So let us remember with joy our own baptism, even as we celebrate this sacrament. On behalf of the session, I present Jonas Dochi Amoa, son of Philip D. and Natalie Amoa, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Philip and Natalie, in presenting your son for baptism, it is right that you should make public answer to these questions. First, do you desire that Jonas be baptized? Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and teach that faith to your child? Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Jonas by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging him to know and follow Christ, and be faithful and be a faithful member of his church? If so, please respond, we do. Through baptism, we enter the covenant that God has established. Within this covenant, God gives us new life, guards us from evil, and nurtures us in love. In embracing that covenant, we choose whom we will serve. And so as God embraces your child within the covenant, I ask you for his sake to reject sin, to profess your faith in Christ Jesus, and to confess the faith of the church, the faith in which we baptize. And I invite all of us to stand and affirm together our faith using the words of the ancient baptismal creed, the Apostles' Creed. What do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. We give you thanks, eternal God, for you nourish and sustain all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning of time, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling forth order and life. In the time of Noah, you destroyed evil by the waters of the flood, giving righteousness a new beginning. You led Israel out of slavery through the waters of the sea into the freedom of the promised land. In the waters of Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John 
and anointed with your Spirit. By the baptism of his own death and resurrection, Christ set us free from sin and death and opened the way to eternal life. We thank you, O God, for the water of baptism. In it we are buried with Christ in his death. From it we are raised to share in his resurrection. Through it we are reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit. Send your Spirit to move over this water that it may be a fountain of deliverance and rebirth. Wash away the sin of all who are cleansed by it. Raise Jonas to new life and graft him into the body of Christ. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon him that he may have power to do your will and to continue forever in the risen life of Christ. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, be all praise, honor, and glory now and forever. Amen. What is the Christian name of your child? Jonas Dochi, child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. May God's blessing rest on you this day and every day hereafter. Amen. This is Jonas. And he is the newest baptized member of the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And you have made him an extraordinary promise. You have said to him that by the manner of your lives, by what you say, by what you do, you will show him what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I admonish you, as always, to take this promise with the utmost of seriousness And I invite you to affirm your intention once more by standing as we sing together the ironic benediction over Jonas. You may be seated. Freely God has given to us, freely we have received. So let us now freely return to God our tithes and our offerings.
Let us unite our hearts and our minds in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord God, we are reminded again and again that you call us to lives of wholeness, lives of goodness, lives of virtue for the sake of the gospel. Remembering the messages we have been taught of our faith, we know that we rely always, every moment of our lives, on your unfailing grace. Even the breath that we breathe is your gift. So we return to you our gifts, knowing that you will receive them and bless them and use them. We know as well that you crave the prayers of our hearts, so we offer our prayers in offering as well. We pray for the world that you have made and loved you have surrounded us with beauty. We are blessed and we are grateful. Give us the strength of Christian commitment to take seriously the responsibility that comes with being stewards of your beloved creation. Even as we drink in the beauty of summer days and are filled with the wonder of your world, make us aware of the fragility of what you have entrusted to our care. Remind us that we share this planet not only with billions of other people, but also with the birds and the animals and the fish and the insects. We pray for the people of your world. You have blessed us with boundless resources, wealth upon wealth. Forgive us when we hoard your treasure and keep it from the least of these. Forgive us when we allow barriers to cut us off from your people. Make us bold to live from our abundance and share your breath of life in a sometimes hurting world. Where there is war, speak rumors of peace. Where there is oppression, give messages of hope for a brighter future, a future in which our world is transformed under your loving care. We pray for our enemies. We pray for those who do not love us that you would soften all of our hearts to look upon one another and see fellow children of God. We pray for this community where we live and make our homes and work, where there is need among us. Help us to think creatively and to provide resources and aid. Help us to seek those who do not have the basic necessities, and in seeking them, Move us to action that we might indeed be givers of your grace. Where there is pain among us, let us bring your healing presence. For those struggling with disease, with depression and addiction, may we be your hands and feet, ministering in your name. We pray for all victims of violence, and particularly gun violence, that you would give peace, that you would bring healing. And even as we pray for these things, we know that one of the mechanisms by which you offer healing is the witness of your church. So we pray for this congregation. Strengthen the ties that bind us to one another and make us always a welcoming home for any who would come through our doors. Let us live in love as we love one another and love our neighbors. Stir us to action. Breathe your breath into us and fill us with your life. For we pray it in the name of the one who gives us life, who brings us life abundantly, your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We all know that children imitate their human parents, for better and for worse. I remember my aunt getting a call from the preschool when her four-year-old picked up a word at home that was not preschool appropriate. 
But I also have seen children show kindness and compassion and generosity that you know they had to see displayed toward them and witnessed by those they were imitating. We are told to imitate God, our heavenly parent who loves us with a love we cannot comprehend, and to imitate God by living in love. So go out with the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. And may they be with you and abide with you this day and always. Amen.